Welcome to Out on the Front Lines. My name is Lester Green and I am your host. We are sponsored by the MJO Network and we are now on Roku TV. That's right. Out on the Front Lines is now on Roku TV. Thank you all for your support. I hope that you will continue to support Out on the Front Lines. We are also looking for sponsors, so please, if you know somebody, let them know Out on the Front Lines is Out on the Front Lines. Hi, I'm the director for The Truth About Lies, and we're very excited to be part of this year's Hollywood Film Hey, Phil Alaco, welcome to Out on the Front Lines. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate this. How are you doing? Doing good. Good to see you. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a while, right? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember how it's been all, like years, many years. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I met you through Jagger K. I don't know if you remember how we yes. met. Yes, through Jagger, right? Um, you, yeah. you were attending his classes or were you friends with him? I forgot. I was. Uh, combination of both. Yeah, right. I was, yeah, I was taking his classes. And I think you offered him a role for something and he wasn't available. And so he reached out to me and he said, hey, Lester, I got this thing with Phil right. Alaco, would you be interested in me? I said, yeah, absolutely. So I remember working with you and it, it was a great experience. I think I played a drug dealer. Yes, You yes. remember that, right? Yep, I do, I do. We were, um, I forgot, what, it was a, um, it's a feature. I think it was five. Drama that has been started, installed, installed, installed for, I think it's, it's just been a crazy, journey right. with that particular film. Yeah. And I remember we had to rush and shoot a couple of scenes really quickly because there was tax implications. Like oh. there was, there was um, a, uh, and I don't remember the specifics, but they were doing away with certain tax credits or there was a potential they might, right? So yeah. if it was grandfathered in, if you had started the shoot before, you know. I get uh, it. So I think uh, for that film, we, you know, I think that was why, and we rushed to put something together to at least get something in the can to grandfather it in in case this tax. Yeah, is that know, film out or? No, um, um, I was actually we we were casting that film, and that film has gone through so many crazy. It's cur a cursed film. I got I had, it. <laughs> I had that film. I know what you um, mean. I was trying to make that film before I made the Truth About Lies, which was a comedy. Yeah, I was literally trying to make that film, and a, another director, friend of mine, he always used to say to me, I think it was like, I think it turned into a curse, but he used to say to me, sometimes the film you're trying to make is not the one you wind up making, right? I get and, it. Um, and so I was trying to make this drama, and we had, um, at that time, I think we had ICM packaging it with talent, because, you know, for certain budgets, um, you need uh, certain levels of talent, to yeah, name actors. Budgets, right. Yeah. So, so you really need the support. Um, and especially for indie film, it's a it's a a tough mixture, you know, because um you're trying to get celebrities that are maybe a little bit out of your reach, but that unlock that budget. And so it's just, you know, it's a right a lot of catch twenty two kind of things going on. But it's but anyhow, so we were we had that film cast and then it it um I, we couldn't get it financed. Financing kept falling through. And we had a really interesting cast in it. I think we had attachments 
I shouldn't name people because it didn't get made, but right, we right. Had people you would it. know attached in this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, we even had an Oscar winner who was attached. Oh, and, wow. And um, yeah, and, um, and that um, wound up, we could just couldn't get, we could kept hitting all these roadblocks. Blocks. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why we hit so many roadblocks, but then when the whole Harvey Weinstein thing came oh, out, hey, one of the hey. people we had in was also kind of being blackballed by him. So I don't know if that had any, I have no idea. This is all yeah. like total. All speculation. You know, speculation. Right, no right. Idea. But right. you know, it makes you wonder like, oh, did that have something yeah, to do with it? Who the hell knows? You just don't know. And um, so then in the process of trying to make that, I got funding for this comedy, Truth About Lies, which, you know, was a kind yeah. of a, a little film I was trying to make just to make something. And, um, and that one got funding and that one went. And then the, um, uh, there were people who, after Truth About Lies, I was talking how that came about with this other film, and, and that's the one that I, I was, you and I met on. And then they became interested again. So then I went down the whole road. We started casting and again, the whole thing. Right. And then it looked like, oh, it looks like this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, we started hitting a lot of roadblocks again. I'm like, what the heck? And then COVID happened. And uh, I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is, you know. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, a, it's actually, a, it is a tough film. I, I, I hope I get to make it because it's a, it's a cool film, but it's an ensemble cast. So for an indie film, you know, um, it, it's, it's not a cheap film to make. So you still do need a certain level of talent, but that talent is not on every page. So getting people to agree to an ensemble cast um, when you're not a famous director is challenging so right so, but I consider, you, I consider you a famous director because didn't you get is this true <laughs> or not didn't you get handpicked by steven spielberg i did yeah yeah we did um me and a, a bunch of uh, other you know they did this show called on the lot it was going to be this reality um tv show that was on fox and they um picked a bunch of us and and they were um generous with the idea of giving us all a uh, first look deal with um, DreamWorks and oh, they nice. were supportive. And so you couldn't really say no to it. You kind of had to right. do it. Right, like, wow, but you want me? Okay. But, what, what, but the challenge was, you know, it's like it's, it, it, everything comes at a price, you know, because as a director, you don't really want to be in front of the camera. <laughs> you know, it's not your interest. Oh. And you don't want to be the subject of a reality show. I got uh, it. And it was a reality show, you know, right. kind of like, a project runway kind of thing for directors right and um and it was uh it was i, I don't think they ever really got the the format right it, di it didn't really work work yeah i think yeah. they had one season they kept changing tinkering with it um and i think uh, my own opinion is that i think it's it's not like a you can't make it a project runway you know project runway is um, you know, it's very much a, a designer artist with their, you know, their hands and their design on one thing. Where directing is, a, it's a collaborative art form. I you know agree. what I mean? You good can't point. really, you can't really treat it in the same way. It's not like it's a good point. You know, I mean, how many directors? And on this show, you had to write, direct, and you had to do everything yourself oh. um, for each piece. But again, it's 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 just you're still at the mercy of. Even if you are doing everything yourself, you're still working with other people. It's hard to, you know, write. And every week, um, directors had to do that throughout the show. Different really? So, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it, was, it was kind of like a Project Greenlight. But Project Greenlight was, at least was, a be, I think, a, a better 
fit for directors and filmmakers because it's a whole journey of making a oh, the whole process that, that make made much more yeah sense, no sense you know? yeah yeah i'm thinking though more of a view of what it's like yeah i'm yeah. thinking that when you mentioned that it's about it was about directors i would love to see a reality show on just directors and how they think and how they move and how they work because you don't really see that kind of stuff so i thought that would be an interesting well i mean my opinion if you're a, a good uh director or any kind of successful director i don't think you're that interesting you know really? girl, because you have to be calm you have to you're not the one throw you know being you know you're not the one um you know you're trying to keep nice. things level you're trying That's to get true. things to happen not really the personality I don't know yeah. if you make the tv you know what I'm saying? That's, that's a good point I'm not saying it's not interesting. I mean, we used to have director commentaries where directors talk about what went into it. And I think behind the scenes and the making of things are always interesting. There are great stories. Yeah. But I think the process of it, I mean, it's a good point. Know, kind of like, you know, hey, we like paintings, but it doesn't mean the process of watching someone do it is always good that point. Nice. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, but for that on the lot program, I saw you do a little intro video was that all factual information that you revealed? Yeah, yes. so wait. yeah, yeah. Really? True. Yeah, I saw it. So wait, did you really film your surgery? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we did. I did. Well, technically, I didn't film it because I was unconscious. Right, you were Yeah, <laughs> that was your idea. Whose idea yeah, was it? My best work is unconscious. <laughs> wait, whose idea was it to do that, though? That's, that's well, well, you know, um, when I had gotten this, in, you know, I don't know how far we want to go down this crazy path, but I got an illness called trigeminal neuralgia. And, and it, at the time, um, it, it, this was in um, 2002, to somewhere around there. Okay. And it was, it's a, I never heard of it. I never knew anything about it. It's like one of those things that just woke up with it. And it, what it is, is it's a painful, one of the most painful conditions you can ever get as a human being. Which, of course, um, as a director or writer, just even hearing that is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, not so pleasant being the one it's happening to. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah. basically, um, it happens in your head, in your trigeminal nerve, it reaches the three branches going to your face. Uh, it's the largest nerve in your body, I believe. I don't, I don't know if, I'm, if that's accurate. I think it is. But um, what happens is your nerve has a, uh, a coating over it, almost like a, a wire to a lamp. You know, it has the rubber over the... Yeah. There's a myelin sheet that goes over your nerve. And for some reason, it malfunctions. And then all these types of pain, like um, uh, burning, electric shock, stabbing, um, all those pains that you can get from the outside world, again, those things don't exist in the outside world. It's just your body creating a reaction to stimuli, right? Yeah. So, if somebody stabs me, the, the, there's no pain in the knife. It's my body creating react. that. Yeah. So imagine if your body just started creating that pain without that, without anything, and it has the potential to do it. And that's a crazy thing, right? I never, you know, who would think I of know that? Yeah. Who don't think of pain working that way? But yeah, yeah so it would turn on stabbing, electric shock, uh, burning, those sensations for no reason. Yeah. And um, it turned out the problem was in my brain stem. There was a doctor who discovered this and how they figured that out because my pain was actually up here by my eye so it would feel like i was being stabbed in my eye wow. burning and, and i'd look like what the hell it felt, felt like just somebody stabbed me in the eye with a knife you know yeah um, i would get all these attacks like hundreds and hundreds of them 
about a couple of seconds each. Yeah, in between. Each each uh, attack, and then yeah. eventually it, it, they extend, it got longer. I had an attack like forty minutes, and you know there was a. It used to be called a suicide disease because people used to kill themselves if you had this. this you can't live with it. it. It's impossible to function with this going on. Yeah. So some doctor figured out that the the problem was in the brainstem, and there's lots of ways that people try to treat it with medication, gamma knife. They try to uh, uh, damage the nerve. He believed that there was something on the base of your, in your brainstem, on the base of that nerve, that was almost like your wire shorting out. On yeah. A wire. So, um, so I, I, after dealing with this, I figured I would, you know, I always knew about this um, brain surgery. And at the time, I guess it was still considered by insurance companies as experimental. Because okay. even though it was around for, I don't know, 20 years or something at that time, it, 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 it was, they were still labeling as experimental. So, um, and I was calling like um, support groups for this thing and people were like, I remember I called a support group in New York and the woman was like, oh, we broke up, there's no hope. I was like, oh, you know, like- We broke up. Off, you should not be running a support group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyhow, I, I went to this whole thing and I, fi I figured, I don't know, I think I, because it was such a um, scary thing to go through, I think turning it into like a job, you know, trying to um, make it like a project kind of helped me remove myself, gave me some sort of sense of control in dealing with it. So I started filming, you wow. know, what I was going through with it. Um, you know, I never did anything with it. With it. Um, yeah. yeah, because, you know, as I was filming it, and I, and I didn't film it, like, with this intent, like, oh, this is going to be great. It just gave me a way to deal with it, you know. Right. But, you know, so um, so when I went in for the uh, brain surgery with an amazing surgeon, a really compassionate, amazing man, uh, Dr. Babu, head of NYU, um, he let me film it. I go, I want to film it. And so I had my crew come and wow, we filmed the whole brain surgery. I still have the whole thing on. Yeah, um, they, um, and um, he, he, you know, let us film it. It was like a five-hour surgery, and um, I guess the the weird thing after it for me is that once you finish the surgery, you don't know if it's going to work, and then there's all these benchmarks like you got to wait two months, then two years, then five years, and there's all these benchmarks where at any point could come back, and it was kind of so terrifying that part of it. Right, and I just think. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing, and that's a big lesson I learned when I was going through it. If you're ever dealing with any kind of illness, you know, I think it's very kind of natural now to go look online and look to Research. your friends talk about it. Yeah. And what you find, you're gonna find, you're gonna find an off balance usually of negativity because people who get cured and do well, they go back to living life. They're not on boards writing about, oh, I still feel great. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Good you're really point. Hear people who are who it's are the bad ones. Yeah. All the bad ones. So. So at a certain point, I just kind of get out of that world because hearing all the nightmare stories of how it and all this stuff, It'll and then I, I just kind of walk, you know. But yes, I did. It's a long story for you. Yes, I did. Wow. Show it. And uh, oh, they cure me. That's that's uh, that was in two thousand four. Darn, so, I feel like so you still have the footage then. I still have the footage. Yeah, yeah. So if you wanted to put it out, I could. Yeah, who wants? Yeah, no. Talk about the ultimate behind the scenes. You can see my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know though. Are you 
thinking about doing something with it, or are you just going to leave it there for uh, now? You know, I, I was going to, and then I just, you know. Yeah. Just, but you could even make it, make it into a movie, that whole idea of dealing with that. Yeah. No? Because I feel like as creatives, we're always looking for material. And some of the best yeah. material is stuff that actually happens to us in real life. No? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's, it is a, an interesting thing, but I guess, um, you know, no. I guess, I, I guess I, I don't know, maybe a little superstitious. I just didn't want to mess with it because it could always, it could come, come back. back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'm going to put this down. That's smart. Yeah. But I feel like doing a movie would be a safer thing to do, right? Yes. Yeah. You don't necessarily you know, have to eat. You know, I think when you're, you know, like the stuff I write, you know, you're, or anyone, you know, the things you go in life, they find their way into your material. They do. Yeah. Make Good fun. point unexpected ways you know but yeah so I, i'm just curious when you were dealing with that was your wife that that must have been tough for the whole family yeah it was tough that was tough you know yeah. that, that stuff ain't easy because it's also so mysterious you know what i mean it yeah was, you don't really you know, know it's not like some kind of thing that most people know about and there's like okay here's what you do there was a lot of figuring it out yeah there was a lot of conflict also between doctors of like who which is the right one to go with and and i did learn uh one thing i really did learn is that all doctors are not created equal you know true and um you know i i remember when i was looking at the stats you know there were certain doctors who did this procedure who were creating the stats making it look more like it was 50 50 at work or not but then when i looked at the doctor the surgeon who invented the procedure he had like 70 80 percent and everyone out of that team had a 70 80 percent success rate so that was fascinating. So I went right to the source. I reached out to Smart. Dr. Jeanette, who invented the procedure. I was like, help me through help this. Me. Help, yeah. help me navigate. What do I do? Who do I yeah. see? Where do I go? Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was talking to another doctor at the point, we were trying to find the right surgeon. And he had like accolades all over the wall. And he had like written books. And he actually had a book where it looked like he wrote it with Dr. Janetta. And Dr. Janetta didn't... Um, recommend him so he recommended someone else so you know you know you don't know like sometimes what what looks on surface is one thing is not really what it is so luckily i made the right choice so. right no kudos i'm glad it worked out so <laughs> in that same video that on the lot video you talked about you had your parents in one of your movies you had your <laughs> wife is that a thing do you put your family in your movies well, I those are like i mean when i started out with you know, I was doing short films, you know, and one of the first films I did, uh, kind of very much like my feature career so far as like, you know, you, you're trying to make one film, but the one I was trying to make was more ambitious. So then I, I, I made something funny with my parents just for the, you know, for right. the fun of it. and they were great sports and they were awesome. They did it. It was, it was a fun experience. And so I wound up doing that. I think that was the first thing I, I made. You did, yeah. And that kind of got me hooked. Yeah. But I had a, uh, you know, I was a late starter in this industry because I had a career before this. And um, I was always interested in film, but I was um, a musician. I was a recording. You're a rock star. Yeah, yeah for years. So that was my life, you know, um, up until, um, you know, like, 2000 or something you know yeah um, and um so when i decided i remember on one of my last tours um i remember feeling you know i don't know sometimes you just get these things in life where you just feel like 
I, I can't explain it, but I felt like I was done doing that. I never thought that would be possible. Yeah. But I think I was also excited about doing something different because my whole life since I was a child, uh, being a musician was my identity, was whatever my ego, whatever my, how, what I identified with. And the idea of not being that, it was like almost like a, a, a death of, in a sense, you know? Yeah. So it was like, um, the idea of letting that go was terrifying and exciting and depressing, you know? And also the music industry was changing. It wasn't me just being philosophical about it. It was, it was changing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I thought, it, I thought it was just, it just felt like my career was winding down or my opportunities were winding down. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize the whole industry was changing. I just took it personally like we usually do. You only look at your, you know, your career. around you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember being on tour and I just remember I we were playing theaters, which is something I really wanted to do for so long because um, we had a lot of um, kind of bad luck with touring on our first, my first record when I was like 24. We were touring with this band called Mother Love Bone, which was, the, we were supposed to tour with them on my first record. That was Pearl Jam before they were Pearl Jam. That was oh, Pearl Jam. Her Mother Love, yeah. And then Andrew Wood, he, the singer, OD'd on the eve of our tour. So that broke up that band that, the, you know, if that, that didn't happen, we would have toured and I don't know what would have happened. What would have happened, right? Yeah, yeah, because that really hurt our first record. That was a big U.S. tour co-headlining. We were a New York band. They were Seattle. It's before the next phase of Seattle thing blew up. So you just don't know what would happen. But that did happen and um, that changed the path because then that band became Pearl Jam, but Eddie Vedder became the singer and, you know, that, that happens. <laughs> right, exactly. The rest is history with that. Yeah. I, but I'm just curious, though, because you mentioned that you felt like your career was winding down, right? But yeah. I feel like rock stars, they perform until they're 80, 85 years old. So I'm just surprised that you sort of... Yeah, I think it was for, for me, I don't know. It was, it was at a point where I shouldn't have felt that way, but I yeah. felt, I don't know. I felt I was... I remember feeling like I just, I just, I felt like the old guy in the room or something. <laughs> the kids were all like, yeah. you know, young kids. I don't you know. I felt out of place. I don't know yeah. how to explain it. Yeah. I don't know if it was a premonition that, you know, maybe I've you sensed, sensed it. You sensed it. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know. But I, I, I and, and it was also a weird time for me um, personally because that was happening. Then like 9-11 happened. That was like a big change in the world oh, of course you know? yeah everyone was kind of changing what they were doing think and i i just thought i'd wanted to try film i thought to myself what would i do if i could do anything yeah I, I knew right away what i wanted to do but i wasn't allowing myself to even think about it because i had all these excuses like well you can't do that you know you're this age and you didn't do this and you know so i, I didn't even give my chance my it's mind a chance. a chance to think yeah. about it. So when I did, I was like, well, you know what? I, I realized I'm just afraid to, to fail. So mm. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll give, you know, what, what's the worst that could happen? I failed, you know? So I just went for it. And then it seemed like, at the time, it seemed like um, doors opened again, where doors were closing, doors were opening. And I had uh, opportunities. And every time I had made uh, a film, I, I remember feeling like um, more excited about that than... What I was doing, and then it kind of felt like, wow, everything I loved about music, which I really liked the collaboration, 
I liked getting together people and creating this project. Um, one of the things I really liked the music, which in hindsight carried over, I think I liked more about the idea of going to make these records. Because when you made a record back then, it was a big production. Was. You all went, and it was like making a film. Like all, all these and people yeah. came together. Hands on, everybody hands yes, on. Yes, and you made, you made this whole thing. So when I started making short films or any kind of films, it felt the same. Oh. And it felt like all the things I really loved to do and collaboration and the, all that kind of stuff was, was there, was still happening. Yeah. So it kind of felt, in hindsight, it feels like an evolution of what I was doing. Right, yeah. So it felt like you were back home again with the music. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious in terms of your music. Have you ever thought about using your music in your films? Like, you know what, I got all these great songs. Let me just put yeah, some of this. I, when, uh, when I was doing short films, you know, when I needed a song, I'd grab <laughs> something, you know, because then I would okay. write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But, but I think, um, you know, it, it, it's funny because um, after that, or, or whenever I'm working at stuff, it doesn't really interest me to create the music because I get such a kick out of working with other people who their talents are really specific for that. Because writing songs, which, you know, using a song in a film or something is awesome, mm -hmm. but, the, but the, the people who score, which is like, it's, to me, is like a, it's a whole other it different whole different. It is. And, it, and it's so, you know, to work with someone who really, you so know, has their passion and they yeah. have a real talent for that, it's yeah. really magical to be around that. So I really, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of other people's talents. I think I as a director, it's not about kind of stroking your own kind of ego, whatever. It's more about, it gives you, Brilliant. your job, your job is to kind of get the best on that screen that you're, you can through your resources, through, yeah. you know, through who you can, um, you know, <laughs> blackmail to work on your film or convince to work with you. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, if you're fortunate enough and you work with a lot of talented people who really, their passions are those things, you know, I think it's, it's really exciting. And um, so that I, I get a real excitement over that. Yeah. And um, you like the you like the coach. You're sort of bringing everybody in together. Like, that's how I see it. I mean, I guess like, there's all different ways. Of, I guess people look at it, but I do look at it like a coach. You know, um, if I look at football, you know, football. coach, yeah. the coach is not out there. You know, you can have all these plans and all these great ideas, but you're not the one out there doing it. You yes. know, like your actors are out there <laughs> doing it, and I you love have it. to you have to work with them. And you have to, in my opinion, you have to create the right environment for them to do their best work. And you have to play to their strengths. Yes. You know? um, and um, at least, and, and there's philosophies where, you know, look, there's filmmakers who have a single vision and they, for, not force, but they make sure everyone is going only to that thing and people adapt to that. And then I think mm -hmm. there's another way of, you know, where it's a little more organic and you're trying to play to the strengths of the people you have in. So for example, even though when I write a script, if I have um, a certain actor for it, um, once I cast that person, um, it now becomes uh, a collaboration with that person of how to create that character and what they bring to the table. Because you know you have the script, but now you want it to become something magical. You want it to leave that script and become something hopefully better yes. than you've imagined. And 
how you get there. Sometimes it comes out just the way you kind of thought it would. And, mm -hmm. and that's exciting because it's, it's seeing something that you've imagined in your head come real. And then sometimes, and I think some of the most exciting things are when it, it, it transcends what you thought it was going to be something else. You yeah. Know? I think of, um, there's a story, um, you know, who's probably known as one of the most master control directors, which is Kubrick, you know, and when he was doing Clockwork Orange, they were doing that thing, oh. scene where he's singing, singing in the rain during a very violent scene. Scene, yeah. And that wasn't in the script, you know. They kept oh. shooting that scene over and over again, and something was missing. They couldn't figure it out, and oh. eventually that's what they wound up on. So, you know, um, oh, so it's, 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 you know, sometimes you might have something, and you don't know what it is that needs it to become something special. Yeah, so makes us want to watch this and something, right. you know. So that yeah. that's you always looking for that. Like I always feel like whenever I'm shooting something for a while, you're just kind of like, okay, it's it's you know you're watching it and you're blocking it and you're trying to make it happen, and then you're you're looking for something that makes it come alive, makes uh -huh. it feel like something. Has it has it ever not? Come alive? Have you ever tried to every every time <laughs> you do anything? So how, what do you do when it doesn't happen? How do you got to you, you got to work it like a, like that's a good example with that scene. Whatever, however oh. they got there, you know, you got to find yeah. a way. And yeah, there's a lot of times you know you set everything up, and sometimes it's on a scene you think it's really simple, you know, like yeah, you know, it's like okay, here's a it's it's funny because uh, it's easy to to underestimate the power of every single scene. Sometimes you just have some connective tissue, you know, some scene where you think this is just some quick business, we're gonna shoot this really quick and be in and out of here, and that'll, that's an easy one. You know, you, 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 it's human, you know, you look yeah. at it, like, here's an easy one, this is a tough we one. Yep. And a lot of times the tough ones sometimes wind up being an easy one, and I then agree. you have a little easy scene where you didn't even give it that much thought. Yeah, and you struggle and, with it. Yeah, there was a, a little scene in Truth About Lies, which is, you know, you watch the film and it's such a, a you would never know that it gave us trouble. Uh, but it was a, a silly little scene. And um, I remember all of us just sitting around like, you know, one actor was like, why am I doing this? And other actors, yeah, why is he doing this? Why am I doing this? And all of a sudden you go down this wormhole of like, oh, I guess I don't know. You know, we're all lost now, you know. Um, and then you I got to be the leader, though. I got to be the coach. Yeah. Yeah, and then you got to figure out. And there's always, a, there's always a piece, you know. There's always something. And it could be something very small that unlocks that scene. And, right. then, and then all of a sudden, the scene may look to, to the outside. Well, that's exactly what was in the script. What was supposed to be. Right. Yeah. yeah. But maybe it's not. It could be the way you're covering it. I mean, yeah. You know, I'll give you an example. In my film, there's a scene where... In the script, it's following the main character, Fran, Fran, it's following him into a room. And so in the script, it doesn't describe what's happening in that room, it's following him in. Okay. And then we get there, um, his, uh, you know, the, the girl he's having an affair with and her husband are in that room, you know? And they're talking and then they react and the dialogue happens in the scene. When I shot the scene, I decided to cover it in a different way. I decided to start in the room and uh, on on the husband and the and his wife, and then have 
friend entered. Oh, walking in. Right? Yeah. So they were like, what's happening here? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, wasn't in the script because it wasn't written that way. I decided to cover it a different way just because of the nature of the location gave me a better way to create the scene. Yeah. So, so then that was a question that's not answered in the script. What are they talking about for just a month? It was just a, it's like a second before it comes in, but we needed something. And, uh, you know. How long did it take to get to that realization though? Was it? It took, it took, a, it, it like, Took longer than it should have. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. It took a couple. Yeah. Of, yeah. It took an hour of like, you know, um, because then, you know, I think it, it's funny. Um, Chris Diamantopoulos was in that scene, and then he, he was. We were trying to find what is the the right moment, and um, he went to take a call. And through the film, he's ignoring her anyway. He's he's kind of oblivious to her needs and this whole thing. It's why the affair even. Happened. Happened. Yeah. No, I saw the film. And uh, yeah, so um, he was he he went to take a call while we were talking about it, and and we all kind of realized that's it. He needs to be on the phone ignoring. Wow. It was just a simple thing of him, you know, yeah. being on the phone, kind of talking <laughs> to her, which which wasn't in the script, wasn't on paper. Yeah. The little moment, simple little thing like that. Oh, transition. Yeah. And I just didn't have the idea on the spot. It took a moment to. Yeah figure out what is the right thing you should be doing. Um, and yeah. of course, but when those moments happen, they're not that much fun because everybody's sitting around. You're all I know. waiting to go, like, what do we Looking need? Looking at you like, what's going on? The pressure's on, yeah. time is ticking away. Screwing up everything. I'm screwing up everything. Exactly, right. right. People here. start to doubt you, like, wait a minute. Yes, and then <laughs> you guys are going to be like, we got another, another scene, yeah. uh -huh. you know? Yeah, but that film, The Truth About Lies, let's talk about that. I know it won a lot of awards, mm -hmm. and I saw that it got nominated for a Webby. Am I pronouncing um, it right? Oh, no, that was um, the one that got nominated for Webby. That was a commercial. Oh, it was a commercial? Mm hmm That was a different... Uh, oh, I thought it got nominated for... Okay. No, it, it got, got a lot of awards, though. Yeah, it won, um, it won Best Film at uh, five festivals, I think. I think it was yeah. Five. Won, like, seven, 17 awards at festivals. So okay. that was really good, and um, yeah, it came out in uh, theaters. It was in, I think we theaters? got it in 25 states, yeah. And then it was picked up by Showtime, so it was on Showtime. And wow. Sky International, um, for in, in the UK and in Europe, it was on Sky. So yeah, it was, it was uh, wow. a fun, it was a, it was a, a fun adventure. Um, yeah. I loved the cast, they, they were really great, and that was... Um, yeah. You know, it's hard to make a comedy, especially today. So, <laughs> I know. Um, you know. Tell me about we have, it. We have, is, uh, that, is that your thing? Because I, I see a lot of your films are dramas. Because I watched another film that you did called The Argument, and I absolutely love that film. Oh, thanks. thanks. Yeah, because I'm watching it, and at the end, they're like, yeah, how how'd you think that did? I was like, wait a minute. Wait. That was a scene being acted. I thought it was like the real thing. It, it seemed so real. And then they got into an argument at the end. <laughs> I, did you write that? Yeah, yeah. I um, love that film. Fun. Oh, thanks. That was a fun short film to do. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I just like writing. I mean, like the the script. I'm, I'm just finishing a script now. That's a sci-fi. So I just like writing and I like making stuff. I don't, you know, that one happened to be a comedy. I wasn't you know, trying to, you know, be in that, necessarily in that space. I'm not a comedian or anything, you know? Right, right. But yeah. I, I just, um, 
I was trying to write something that was just small and just people interacting and um, something that I could do on a smaller budget. And that was mostly just, uh, you know, apartments and houses and daily life. And uh, comedy had kind of fit that. I I loved, um, you know, a lot of uh, Woody Allen's relationship comedy kind of. Yeah, I could see that. So, so, yeah, so I just, um, I did that that and um you know and it was um it was fun it was really fun to make it it was fun it's to do great. it the cast was really special and yeah they were great actors the women in the they were great i was it was so real yeah Fra- so fran great. also the the star of that film he, he is such a talent I and mean, he really is you know right um, he's so brilliant and we had a lot of fun doing it um you know maybe you know my Sometimes I felt like we're having too much fun doing it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you, yeah, when you have an experience like that on set with actors and everything is great, how do you move on from that? Because after it's a wrap, it's a wrap. Yeah. And you yeah. move on to the next project. Sometimes you don't see those people again. You don't. Yeah. No. And, and also the next, the next project, you know, you want to keep working with right. some people, but but. You know, you don't know when your next film will get made, and it, and you don't know if you have a part that fits. Fits, yes. You know. Um, yes. But uh, I mean, I loved um, working with Fran and uh, and um, Odette and the whole cast. They were all they were. Yeah. Elizabeth was super, super talented. Is super talented. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I um, you know, you don't you don't know when you get an opportunity. It's, it's hard. I mean, it you know, uh, indie. Film, it's like it's it's expensive, you know. It is. It's, it's time consuming, you know. It's yeah. And um, you know, and and then getting it out into the world, it's just it's such a. I don't know. I I, find, I still find the whole thing fascinating and challenging. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's it was a great experience. But that doesn't mean it was easy. And yeah. That doesn't mean you know um you know you still have to I think. When you're making a feature, I think you got to win every day in a sense, you know, like yeah. your actors come on, show up on set and then you build a certain level of trust. But the next day you got to do it all over oh, again. again. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, what am I into today? What, what is this guy going to, you know, yeah. situation? In? And I think as an actor, you're probably very vulnerable all the time because you're always wondering, you know, what kind of mess am I in here? <laughs> It's going to come out good. Yeah, so, you know, what did I sign up for? You know. Yeah. Because so, yeah. um, I, I know Adam Sandler. I don't know him personally, but I see that he's always casting the same people. He has like a certain core group of actors that he'll work with. So I didn't know if you had a system like that too, where he'll write stuff specifically for people that he just loves working with. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. So I didn't know of if you course, did that no, with your writing. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, that's a good, uh, what, you know, I don't know what I write. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what my process is. I don't know what, I, yeah, I just, you know, because <laughs> I think every time I try to do something, I think I make it much harder on myself because, you know, um, some people just, you know, they, they have like a, a thing they're honing in on and they're always making, you know, like, some some friends of mine who, who who've had really great success and super talented, you know, would work in like micro budget films, you know, and they just keep making them and mm-hmm. in a similar voice, you know, um, and then build their way up, you know. I think I've, I'm 
I think I after I make something, I always want to make something so different, different. Yeah. from what I just did mm -hmm. that it's probably uh, yeah. not, not always <laughs> makes it harder. Yeah, you know? the cast, yeah, the same yeah. people, yeah. right? Yeah, so... Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm always just fascinated with people who can write a 100-page screenplay. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't have the patience, and then you got to do another draft, and you got to do another draft, and then... I wouldn't have the patience to do any of that. I'd rather just pay somebody here. Can you write a script for me? <laughs> yeah. And then I'll give you suggestions if I'm not crazy about everything. How do you do that? Where do you find the time to do that? It, it is very time consuming. And I yeah. think it's, uh, you know, I think I'm assuming, I can only speak for myself, but I'm, I'm assuming, you know, there, there is something really satisfying about the process. Um, and there is this constant discovery because, you know, at least for myself, I, 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 every time I write a script, I'm kind of going into it. It always feels like, you know, I don't know if it feels like I've never done it before in a sense. You know, not, not the structural things. There are things you learn oh. all the way about what, how you're going to do it and, mm -hmm. and, and certain technical things. But, but discovering a story is such a, you know, and I think I've always been – Amazed by that because there are certain stories that come to you and they really just kind of download into your brain almost like like they're all there. Like all of a sudden you don't even know where it came from. You just yeah. you know, an idea is there and it feels like you're you're discovering something that's already there. It's almost like you're watching a movie in your head that already exists and you just kind of you know, take it down. down. So that's the best experience. I mean, of course. you know, as a songwriter too, you've probably heard many songwriters talk about like, it's those songs that feel like they've already been written. And there are times probably my favorite songs I've ever written or songs where I'm like, is this a song already? Like, am I, am I like, is this already exist? Yeah. yeah. Am I like ripping this off? You know, yeah. it feels so like, yeah, uh, it feels like better than you think you can come up with. I know, what you <laughs> you know where it came from. So easy. So, yeah, so um, I, I think I'm really in awe of, of writers who literally have to turn it out every, you know. Uh, I got it. TV writers, they got to turn it out every week, and that, you know, um, that's that's really um, amazing to be doing that. And I've had to do some stuff like, you know, I I'm, I did write something um, with James Patterson um, that was a what? based on a children's book yeah and i got um it, it never turned it didn't i guess they never pursued it into a film but um oh, wow well, yeah it was i did we did we were pursuing it for a while and that was like on a deadline and that was a fun experience and i did that with another film in ireland too where um it was uh you know so that's kind of fun to to you know kind of lock in and be like i have to have this done in like three or four weeks yeah feature film that comes from nowhere you know right um, but um, I think when it's on my own stuff, like like you said, um, you know, focusing on it, especially I, you know, I I do a lot of commercial work, um, so um, it's hard to when you're working on multiple projects to sit I down know. and focus on a script. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a script that um, this sci-fi I was working on. I've had this script idea sitting around. You know, a lot of times I'll I'll have an idea in it, and then I write kind of a quick one pager for myself and then it just kind of sits in a drawer you know what i mean it sits in uh my folder on my computer um but then when COVID happened and we were locked in i was like oh i'm coming definitely right you know yeah. um yeah and, you got uh, to kind of sentence yourself to that you got to kind of force yourself to 
mm-hmm. do it, you know. But yeah. it, but it's a really satisfying process to force yourself through any anything, you know. It's it's yeah. It's like climbing a mountain, you know. You look at it, you're like that seems impossible, and right, and you climbing climb it, it up, yeah, yeah. You take all those small steps, and eventually you look back, and you you've walked quite a while, quite a way, you know. Yeah. So I'm assuming when you work with James Patterson, it was a collaborative effort, right? So that was a, it was a um, children's book um, that they wanted to create into a feature film. Okay. So, you know, um, that would be that, great. you know, that, that, yeah, it was, that was a good, good one on, it was a cute kid story and of something I never did before. And yeah, uh, and that came through another, uh, director friend who's always looking out for me and <laughs> yeah used to that but that was a fun process and it was uh you know I don't, I don't know what you know I who knows what will happen with it um I don't think they're gonna yeah. make did, did you find it more challenging working with another writer or do you know me well look, no that that's I thought that that's great because then you're um you're working off of source material, so you have something to kind of work off of, and you have something to react to. Mm-hmm. So it gives you there's something there. From for myself, it's harder. Like if I'm Finding looking, stuff. yeah, if I want to write something, yeah. you know, I like what is it? Where does it come from? What what is going to inspire me in my mind to go on that journey? And it is a long journey. It's a big investment of time, and then at yeah. the end of it. You know, you're gonna commit however months or a year, whatever it takes you to come up with this original story, and then mm. you know you have to be kind of crazy or convinced or just having fun with the process in order to com- go down that road, you know, yeah. and then have the tenacity to follow through. I think I think with filmmaking or any of anything um, that is a whether you're writing a book or anything that's a substantial thing that you're trying to do, I think you have to have a lot of tenacity. So you have to be stubborn in a weird way. You have to be stubborn and open. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. It's a weird combination of things you need to do to get to, to get through. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that it's possible to write a really strong screenplay in a few days? Because I've heard people say, oh, yeah, I wrote that script in five days or – I filmed that film in seven days, a feature film. How do you feel about that? Is that possible? I would say, I, I mean, look, anything's possible. <laughs> Good answer. You know, anything's I mean, possible. You know, likely makes it, you know, I mean. But yeah, you hear about it. Look, it's, look, um, you know, I, I heard, and I don't, I don't know this firsthand, but I think I heard that film Mother, Darren Aronofsky, I think he said he wrote that one really quick. It just kind of oh, came yeah. to him. And look, there are people who hate that film. Some people love that film. Yeah. But I, I do think, and I don't know, if, you know, this is just kind of stuff I heard about, but I think he wrote that pretty quick. Uh, you know, sometimes films can come, uh, I don't know, an idea can come to you and it can come pretty, you know, pretty yeah. And depending on what that concept is, you know, some 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 films are, are are more you know i'm thinking like the blair witch film right oh blair witch like, like that that concept like the concept was even bigger than the script like that script could have been you know roughly you know like the exact dialogue matter or you know you could have done that same thing 10 different ways it still would have been the same kind of impact and maybe cultural impact mm-hmm. because it was the idea of using that 
kind of found footage, which created a whole genre, right? Um, and the idea at the time was, you know, the concept was so great, you know? Good point. So probably a film that the concept brought so much to it that the, the specific scenes didn't need, like, it wasn't about the craftsmanship of every scene and what the dialogue was. It was really about this, at least in my opinion, this great concept driving this. So you can see how something like that, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was, yeah. I don't know about what it took to write that, but you know, it, it, could, it could have been driven more by the concept and, and there are films which are driven more by the concept and the film is found. Like they're, they're, some films are, are, some of the concept is to not have a script, you know? Here, yeah. we're gonna do, you know, there's, there's like, um, like in comedy, a lot of Larry David shows, they have a rough outline. They don't have any dialogue written. They have a rough idea. There's no like, you know, uh, specific scenes, you know, where everyone is following that script. There is a, it's all ad-libbing in situations and they have a rough idea of what this episode's gonna be about and they go find, and it's performance, you know? So, so there's a, a lot of different ways to make films. And I think, you know, I would never, say there's you know possible yeah i don't know maybe somebody made yeah. the next greatest achievement and and change and create a whole new genre by making a film in a day i don't know if it's anything's possible right but yeah. i think in the traditional sense of a story that's structured and you know i think it usually takes a little bit more time in more time yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, that's um, what i thought and, yeah. and and it depends what it is you know like you know um if, it, if it's if it's um, based, yeah, what, what it's based on, what, what material you have to work with, what, what you do. You know, there's some films, um, what was the name of that film? There's this film, which is a simple kind of film, but it's really great, but it's, it's a, a, a two hour film or an hour, hour and a half film, mm -hmm. but it's all in real time. So the whole story takes place in an hour and a half. And the oh, movie's wow, an half. that's interesting. So every time you, you know, if you see a clock, that's actually in the film, funny. and it's 15 minutes later in the film. The clock is 15 minutes. That's later. awesome. The film. That's, ah, that's, that's a great concept. It's an old. It's an old film. Oh, uh, I love film. that. Yeah, I gotta remember. I'm blanking out on the name. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll get. I'll get it to you. But it's a, it's a great. It's a great film because it's all in real time. I love that story and what's happening in this hour and a half, and it's all that is so brilliant. But yeah, so um, that, you, it's one of those ideas where you, you say to yourself, I wish I would have thought of that. That's so, yeah. that's so and that's, and that's from the, I think it's from the 40s. Oh my goodness, that, wow. Yeah, and it's really- How did it do? How did that film do? I, it's a classic film. The I'm classic, okay. on the name. So it did well. I don't know, it's not like something that, um, you know, you see on TV or anything. Oh, like I know, but I mean, it did but, well. but, it, but it's known, yeah. No. I think, I, think it, I know Scorsese loves that film. I think he was- uh, oh, uh, yeah. I, I've heard he's played it for okay uh, for for some of his crew before working on specific films. Yeah, but, um, it's about a boxer, and I'm just blanking on the name of it. But it's a very cool film. Don, yeah. I almost oh, feel like I, I hope you can Google time. it. Can you Google Thank it? You. I'm actually anxious to. Maybe you can Google it because <laughs> now you got me wondering because I want to see it now. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Because yeah. that is such a great concept. It sounds so simple, but yet. Yeah, the thought to do that. Yeah, I can find it. <laughs> yeah, see if you get. Oh yeah, if you just type in the setup, I found it. Oh, it's the, setup, the setup, nice. Forty nine. Forty nine. Forty nine. Yeah. The setup. Um, and and even though it's um happens all in real time, 
you're not only in like following one character for for the whole. Oh, I got you. Yeah, it changes. You're, yeah, you're following what's happening here. It's this boxer who's right. You know who's if I were, you know he's going to go into the ring, but you know he's kind of he needs to for the money, and then you're following another story, but it's all happening in Real in that. Yeah, and I, I love that. So at night, nineteen forty nine, the setup. Yeah, that is great. Wow, I love that. That's a good idea. So I, I gotta ask you: when you're watching movies, are you looking yeah. for mistakes? Are you looking to give input like, "Oh, I wouldn't have done that," or "Oh, I see a boom mic in that frame," or "Oh, the lighting is not great right there." Um, do you I don't. I don't look for. I don't. I don't look to be critical of other people. Oh, okay. I mean, after. You know, probably before I made stuff, I might have been, you know, I think we're all can be pretty harsh on yeah. things that we like or don't like. Mm -hmm. But I think after making a film, I'm much more uh, forgiving of, you know, because I know what it takes. Yeah. I know the compromises that everyone has to make at some level mm -hmm. um, just to get get your, you know, uh, you just uh, yeah, yeah, so it's a little more <laughs> forgiving on that. Absolutely, because you get but, it. Yeah, but um, but at the same time, I think I think what's cool about film is film is not a, in in my opinion, film is not a reflection of reality. Film is a reflection of how our brains work and how we perceive the world around us. Mm. So the way our brains work, mm. and it's a language we're speaking to our brains. This is why everyone can tell when a movie is bad or something doesn't work. It's kind of like you know. Uh, a magic trick is not really subjective. It either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Like I either can fool you with a magic trick and I can trick your brain because I know what your brain, how your brain is working and I know how to, how to, how the trick is, is looking for the, to play with the way you perceive yeah, things. That's why it looks like a miracle, right? Yeah. And that's why it works. When it works, it can work 100%. It doesn't work where half the audience is like, oh no, I saw how that's done. Good and the other brain. half is not. It works across the board because yeah. a good magician knows how it works. So filmmaking is a language that all, when it works, it works for all our brains. That doesn't mean our tastes like it, mm. but the illusion of it will work. Right, so if a bad film where it really has technical problems, and mm -hmm. these technical problems like you know crossing the line, whatever, they're not just subjective. They're rules of how our brains work. So you know, if somebody crosses the lines and you lose, like I don't know where we are all of a sudden in covering this room. If you do it right, whether you like the scene or not, you understand the, you know, the map of the room. You understand when it's cutting because if you think about it, the camera's moving all over the place, yeah. right? You know, you're, you're seeing a big wide scene, then you're cutting to a close-up, then you're cutting to the other close-up. And when we watch it, our brain just accepts it as reality. We don't wow. see the cuts because it's a language that our brain, it's how our brain works. If, I, if you ask me how my day is, I automatically, you know, uh, tell you in an edit it. I don't, you know, if, if, if you ask me how, my experience of going to the store and it took me an hour and a half, it doesn't take me an hour and a half to tell you. Got it. I edit I condense, I have a beginning, there's a structure to it. Mm -hmm. so, so film, I think, works in that That's way. So, so when something is technically wrong, we all see it. You don't have to be a pro to see That's it. Good point. You know, we all know, whoa, that, that, yeah, that didn't look right. That's not right, that's yeah. wrong. And, and what's really fun is when there are, and there are great directors who break some of those rules purposely to create, make us uncomfortable, confuse us, because like a magic trick, they are, 
trying to direct us here so they can pull out the surprise here. You know, a, a great, one of my favorite, um, not movies, but TV stuff is Twilight Zones. Oh, Twilight yeah. Zones are such a great example of uh, mastery to me because here's guys who work with like, um, and gals, <laughs> um, who work with like um, uh, every episode, we already know the trick. We know you're going to surprise us and give us a paradigm shift at the end. So they're at a disadvantage, right? Because yeah. we're all looking for it, right? right. What's the surprise? Yeah. What's the trick ending? Right. We know and they have happening. to do it every episode. And, and you're looking it for it, and you still don't know it. Right. You know, like you still get surprised. So that's, to me, is a level of mastery. And they're also working with such little low-budget sets, and it shows what you could do just with um, craftsmanship, you know? I mean, I love there's a – I don't know how well you know Twilight Zone, but there's a famous – episode where um i think it's called the eye of the beholder and okay. it's this woman who's so ugly and she's trying to get this face lift and you know uh, uh you know reconstruct her face otherwise they're going to put her on an island where she can live with people who look like her you know that's okay. how hideous she is in society wow. and you never see the the nurse you never see the doctors you never see any of them mm -hmm. and you feel like it's weird but you're not really questioning why i'm not seeing their faces right because the way they shot it, um, you know, you look back at it and you know it, but it's so done. Because the big reveal is they take her mask off and she's beautiful to what we see, but they're all hideous, you know, and they think she's oh. hideous. You know, so there's so many brilliant, brilliant Twilight Zone, oh. beat, you know, um, yeah. episodes. And I love, I always love that because they have to do it. They have 30 minutes to do it or 25 minutes, however long each episode is. Yeah. Um, and and they and some of them are better than others, of course. But there's a lot, you know, right. thirty episodes, twenty something episodes a season, and they're able to do that. So I love that. So, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, where do you see TV and film going, though? Just in terms of all these streaming platforms, are you looking to create content, shorter content for those platforms? How is it affecting your uh, writing I, I, and your filmmaking? Yeah, I haven't. I've never seen a market for short films, at least in I know. my experience. I yeah, know. I think a short films are really more for um, artists or directors or writers or actors to Building. practice and exercise. There, you know, it's a great way where, you know, obviously if you're a writer or a director, you can make a short film. Actors need always looking to, especially young actors, looking to. to you know, build a reel on, you know, right. show a movie, you show a scene. Right. So, so short films have a great, um, fill a great niche with that, but they're not really money makers, you know. Nah. Um, nah. And then as far as the streaming, what it looks to me, it, it kind of looks like, well, you used to have the studio system and the studio system, um, you know, you would kind of you know, work your way up into that system. It was a little more like, more of a career path, I guess. Now it feels more like the Wild West, at least here in America. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But, uh, it but is. I, feel like, I feel like the streaming platforms are the new studios, you know? They are. Instead of having Warner Brothers, you have Netflix, you know? Yes. And then they're Ooh. the ones who, yeah, and Hulu, and, yeah. and they're the new studios, Disney, all these things, and they're the studios. Their streaming platforms create are the new studios. Uh, I, am, I am worried or concerned. I hate to see movies go away. You know, I know because there's something really amazing about sitting in that dark theater in the experience, and, and it's a collective. It but is. It's, it's a, one of those unique experiences where it's collective, but it's also 
individual. Yeah. Not doing that. it together, but you are together, but you never talk to, you know. Good point. Like, you know, so it's a, it's a really interesting, you know, I hate to see that go away. Uh, uh, but I am worried for it because I think now that everyone has so many screens in our lives and we have so many demands on us, you know, uh, years ago, you didn't have this level of operating in these different dimensions, you know, like each, whether you're on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, <laughs> these are different dimensions where you're communicating right. with other people. If I explained to you, you know, if you go back 30 years and said, hey, one day you're going to talk to all your friends in this place, but you're not <laughs> in the same room. You mean on the phone? No, yeah, no, exactly. no. You're all meeting. It's like a forum. Like, what are you talking about? You yeah, know? Yeah. But, but so people are living in these multi-layered multi kind of relationships and existence and, you know, but you don't have more hours in the day. I agree. Uh, so, so, so it's taking more and more of our time, and we have less and less time to do things. I also think with film, you know, back, you know, if you go like 30 years ago, you had a color film in a theater. Um, people at home had little round, you know, like black and white TVs. They're like this yeah. big. I know, know, yeah. Square, little square. square. Like this. Right. And, uh, they got to have antennas. Yeah, antennas. So going yeah. to a movie was like, Whoa, you just never saw anything like that. Yeah. Now everybody in their home has I know, surround amazing. sound and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, entertainment so, centers, yeah. So it's not the same cultural experience that I think it was, you know. Yeah. Um, but um I hope it doesn't go away. I hope there's still you know, know, but I'm worried for that. I'm worried, you know, because people just don't have the time. And um, and then with COVID, COVID, yeah. COVID changes, but the world will change after this because now We've broken a bunch of habits. You know, we all hear about how, look at what we're doing here. I mean, doing something like this, even just five years ago, would have been like, oh, okay, we have to be in a room and we have to have cameras and, you know, yeah. we like I'm in my house. Right I now. got my lights set up and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so, <laughs> so now everybody's working differently. It's already affecting the world where it people is. moving out of cities and moving into their houses. They're saying now when you buy a house, you have to have an extra room for a real office, right? Like, right. it's going to yep. be a thing in the future. Yeah. Home is not going to go away. So, you know, yeah. so, you know, something like a movie theater, it could, it could change the way that happens. I mean, you know, even studio films over the last five, I mean, last 10 years, it's changed a lot, right? You know, remember, remember that crazy thing called like, you know, the big budget dramas? You don't see those anymore. Oh, you, you don't. Know? Um, they're now kind of like series, like everyone's talking yeah, about Gambit, right? Like that used to be like a, you know, before you would have Netflix, it would be you would have movies like that, maybe yeah. a two-hour movie in that like Warner Independent, twenty million dollar range, big movie stars, but doing slice of life or or drama pieces of life, or you know, now you don't really see that. It's all superhero movies. That it are is three hundred million dollar, you know, or fantasy movies, right? That's all the big, you know, the theaters. Because I think theaters, they need these big kind of experiences. So I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm worried about it. Yeah. When was the last time you went to the movie theater to watch a movie? Because some of the movie theaters are still open. Yeah, I haven't gone to a, a movie theater during COVID. You didn't? Okay, you haven't. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't gone. And also, the movies that they put in the theaters are not necessarily... Um, you know, like real superhero movies. That's what it feels like. I don't. Yeah, no, you're right. So, I mean, if there was a movie I wanted to, you know, see. Actually, the last movie I went to see in the theater, 
I think was Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time in. Oh, I love that movie. Did you watch it? Awesome. That movie was. You didn't like it? I loved it. I loved oh, it. that movie was amazing. He's such a master. I mean, that's oh, my so massively done. I, the I acting, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt. Oh, my goodness. Oh, they're great. You know, you were asking me before, like, do I watch a movie and think about the flaws and stuff? Yeah. I would say filmmaking helped me to appreciate great filmmaking. Filmmaking. More, you know? Like, yeah. Like you said, as an actor, you know? like uh, You can see it. When you, you see know, it, you know. Yeah, you can appreciate it more. So when you see it so, yeah. like, and you're just like, oh, my God, you can really appreciate that. Yeah, and I didn't think I was going to like it because I felt like I'm not a huge fan of period pieces where it just, and I thought it was going to be one of those movies where, okay, it's going to be an old movie where they're going to be talking differently and they're going to be dressed mm -hmm. differently. And I was not interested, but somebody was telling me, no, you have to watch it as an actor. You have to watch it. It's like a master class on acting. I said, okay, I'll watch it. And sure enough, that's what it was. It, it, it was amazing. Even the woman, what's her name? Robbie, is it Robbie? Oh, yes. Um, I forgot her name, but she was amazing. And she wasn't one of the leads, but she was amazing in it. Great, yeah. Is her name Robbie, Robbie. Margie? Margie? Margo Robbie. Yeah, she was amazing in it. She's great. Yeah, yeah she was amazing. But again, I, I love that movie. But you know what's great, great about Tarantino's films is, um, and again, you know, I mean, he's always been a master. I mean, right out of the gate, right? Yeah. But to see him, like with Inglorious Bastards, to take something historical and change history, which he did with Once Upon a Time, and you know, he takes a historical thing and changes into something else. And um, right. it's so brilliant. He feels like he can bet. Feels like he can make yeah, it anything. do whatever he wants to do and bet it whatever. But I what I loved about um, Once Upon a Time in America is I loved. The I loved um, DiCaprio's character, you know. I love the melancholy actor who feels like his career is slipping away. And yeah, love it because it's it's on one hand, it's like emotional, but it was so funny. It was funny. like he finds humor in these unexpected places, which is so satisfying as a viewer, yeah. right? You know, and you know, you know, you're identifying with something that's so um out there and yeah and, and it's funny only he would it's i feel like he always has a tendency to be pulled in a direction to you know where a lot of people don't even want to touch something yeah whatever politically is correct is going on right yeah um we just had the me too movement right and now he's got literally he's got the the villain a woman so you're seeing a man Oh yeah! Violently beat up and yeah. You know, oh you know what I mean? yeah! I forgot you know what about it. And it's like, and and you know, and he he finds he finds the way where you can he where, just straddle that fence. He's really he goes good right on that nerve where it's yeah. like you know you don't want to go near that, and he yeah. finds a way to do it in a way where it's like acceptable. You know, not that I, I'm I'm not saying it's good. I know what you mean about that, but you know, yeah, look, yeah. Look at Django with the racial issues. Oh, I saw that too. Right yeah. there. You know, right on a raw nerve and putting it right in our face in a context where we can accept it, but it's yep. still, you know, you know, you're still dealing with racial issues, you're still Good dealing point. with words that we're, you know, you gotta have that balance. To to talk about. About. And, yeah, and he finds a way to go he into does. these edgy things, and I think that's part of what makes him right. makes his films exciting because you always feel a little bit of that uncomfortable, like, where is that tension? Going? You know, where's he going with this? Yeah, like, I know he's not going to go there, is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he so, just... 
stops. And he right finds there. a way to yeah. like, you know, yeah. and I, I think, I think, you know, I think that's what art does, right? It, it, it it's supposed to be edgy, it's supposed to make us somewhat a little bit uncomfortable, but maybe someone's really uncomfortable, but he does a great job, <laughs> you know, yeah, finding those places with, at the same time, uh, Mm-hmm. And at the same time, still making it where it can, it's for everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I, I remember. I just think he's a master. No, uh, he's amazing. I gotta admit, that's probably one of his best films ever, so, in my yeah. opinion. Me he, too. Yeah, because I, I just didn't think I was gonna like it. It was really good. You know, I I wish. Um, you know, I I wonder what I would have thought of it too. If you know, because the one thing, the only negative thing, and it's not negative about the film, but Inglorious Bastards, he already, oh, excuse me, he already did the, I'm going to take a historical thing and oh. and change, yeah. and it's not going to be what the ending is, it's you know. Be, yeah. So, so I kind of knew going into this, a little bit of that was. Oh, checked. okay, it was going to happen. You know I mean, I knew, I knew it's not yeah. going to be the, it's not going to be a historical reenactment. Right. Yeah. I wonder what I would have thought if I went in not knowing that at all. Ooh. Not seeing that film before, not knowing where the heck right, it was going. going. Yeah. You know? So I would have, you know. I would have appreciated it a little. More. Even more. Even yeah. More. Right, right. You right, know? Right. Because even in Glorious Bastards, when you're watching, you're like, where is it? Like, you know, where is it going to lead? Like, where, where does this, because it's, there's so much real stuff in it, but obviously it's this cartoon version and it goes, obviously it's a very different ending than the real story. So it's pretty, um, I, I just love that he plays with that, you know? Yeah, nah, totally. Yeah, I, I'm just curious though in terms of, because you said that you were working on a sci-fi project and then you said you were filming something last week. Was that the same project? Yeah, that was, a, what was, that that? was a commercial piece. I was oh. in Georgia filming so that's oh wow you were here in georgia yeah yeah so it's you know a lot of the stuff i've been doing i've been very fortunate to be working a lot during covid COVID. um and um and it's been um it's been a weird experience because a lot of the stuff i'm doing through computers you know so i've gotten to direct with uh, a crew in singapore and um through the computer because you know i can't go there during covid and our team and um uh were, were you know so that was weird to be you know doing like we're doing here walk through like a zoom call see the location <laughs> work with the crew there and then put the wow. camera feed through here so now i'm seeing my camera yeah and working with actors through this it was it was interesting to see i i mean i was and and i've done it in other ways too that was that was a little different because i was doing a lot of remote stuff just like this is like a remote recording yeah. now um, and it's interesting how you you know um, you kind of get used to that, and and then the relationship between a director and actor or talent starts to feel just like it normally does. Yeah. You know? Wow. So that was it. That was an interesting thing. Um, yeah. And then I've been on a couple of shoots um, where I've been on set, and of course we have uh, to be on set. You know, you have a. a, a person there specifically for COVID. You have to be tested. Oh, they tested with the gun. Yeah, even the shoot I just did, I had to be tested even when I left. When you left? Georgia, when I get back, I have to be tested. I have to be quarantined and tested. So getting a lot of testing, which shows you how important the testing is because mm-hmm. if we have more um, access to testing, um, it, again, none of these things are 100%. You still have to do them in 
still have to wear masks, still have to social distance, still have to do all of these things to keep everybody safe. And it's, it's really, it's challenging. Yeah. Uh, I, it's interesting. I, it's interesting to see how different films do it. And it's, and it's, you know, big budget films. There's the whole departments committed to COVID now. Wow. Um, and they um, have to spend a lot. It's expensive. It adds to those budgets. So for indie films, it's another, like indie films are hard enough and now you're gonna add like a COVID element. I know, good point, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think some indie films I'm hearing, they find, you know, you have to find creative ways around it. Like, you know, on a big set, they're testing every couple of days, all the time. Yeah, and, of course, you have to. And there's a lot of money. But for an indie film, you could do it a different way. Let's say you had a, a film in a cabin. No, no, it's a horror movie I'm making up. Right? <laughs> And yeah. you're in, all in a cabin, there's four cast members, it's like Evil Dead or something, and it's in the woods, you know? Well, something like that, you could have everyone tested, everyone quarantined, and then everyone goes to this location and, and no you one leaves. Until, yeah, until it's over. You shoot the whole thing, um, you don't need to be testing every day. Over and over. Exposed. Smart. You're all living in a house next to the location, everyone has been tested, and you know, and you just stay there the whole time and you're quarantined and filming. So that's, I think, how probably, um, and I've heard some smaller that's people are doing that. that. Yeah, they're doing that, yeah. So yeah. you mentioned your team. Can you talk to us about the Red Thread? Oh, Red Thread, um, yeah, yeah. That, um, creative agency where we do a lot of um, um, broadcast um, and commercial and events. And um, I've been working with that. Um, they've been representing me for uh, maybe over, how long has it been now? Over 10 years. Wow, and, um, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and we've had a lot of, um, they're amazing, it's, it's one by two women who are just, uh, have the most integrity I've uh, encountered in my travels and right. business, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know we've done a lot of exciting stuff and a lot of work with a lot of big clients and um, and it's great because you know it, it, it's an, become a big aspect of what I've always done you know I've, I, I came up as a director through the commercial industry I was mentored luckily had two mentors one was in the commercial industry and one was in um, Hollywood doing big Hollywood kind of comedy film so I've had the benefit to get a lot of advice in those areas and, and yeah. kind of work my way up in those places to make a living, you know? Right. So. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier about, you said that you had a commercial that was nominated for... Oh, for Webby. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, a, that was a piece we did for Bank of America. Oh, Bank of America. Um, and that was um, profiling Dwayne Topping, who was a designer who is a, a vet who came back um, and had PTSD, but then had kind of found, kind of dealt with that through his art and he wound up designing women's clothing line. Like so it's not what you would expect because he's like this biker looking, he's um, you know, he's, yeah, he doesn't fit the stereotype, you know, he's yeah. breaking the mold, you know. Like I, I love he used to wear this shirt. This is what a feminist looks like. And he's like a biker looking guy. You know? And he's like, you know, beard and macho. And, yeah, and he's yeah. women's clothes. They clothes. I love it. So um, the bank um, is one of those um, kind of military success stories because they um, 
helped him with loans for his business. And so we profiled his business. And then that piece uh, won a Telly Award and it won, uh, I was nominated for a Webby. Wow. Um, and it won another award too, FCS Award. Yeah, so it was a good, it was a great piece. I was in Denver. We wow. had shot that right before COVID. Oh, really? Oh, so this is, yeah. oh, this is. You know, because by the time you shoot in, then it goes out. It was oh, right, yeah. Yeah. So um, it was right, right before, it was the last, I think it was the last thing I shot before COVID, you know, wow. where you're just normal. Right. And, and I remember thinking like, oh, this is, that was one of those shoots where it was really uh, fun. Right. You know, and you didn't realize that would be the last. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the world was going to change. Yeah. Right. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> now I feel like my God, it was you know, it was so yeah. easy compared to the extra layers of complexity we have to do now. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two more questions, Bill. Yep. Just in terms of, because a lot of times actors like myself, mm -hmm. we don't really know how to work with somebody like you or, or sometimes we'll watch these interviews on directors and producers and for actors out there what advice would you give them how how what's the best way to try to reach out to somebody like you let's say somebody wanted to work with you on something or somebody wanted you to read his script or somebody wanted to collaborate with you what, what do you recommend in that situation because i feel like we don't really get that opportunity but there's no book that says oh yeah you want to reach out to so-and-so yeah this is how you do it and even the people themselves they don't really share that information they don't really give that to us they're not that yeah. accessible does that make sense yeah well it's a tough it's a really tough Hmm, that's a good question, right? Because yeah, because I always I mean, ask look, that. Look, it's, it's the same thing we deal with as di writers, directors. You know, when I have a script, you know, where do you go with it? Uh, you <laughs> yeah. get it to someone. Right. You, have to, you have to build a consensus around it that it has value, mm. right? Yeah. Because the, the thing is, most of the time, if and same for me, if I reach out without having the right um, channels, you know, like, how do I get a star to read my script? You know, right. pound right. them and run into them in the restaurant. <laughs> right, read my script. You know? and, yeah. and most of the time, the people who do that, it's not even that good, right? I mean, good point. It, it, not, good point. Like, the people who are the most aggressive haven't even maybe done the work, maybe, right? That's um, a good point. So, so, there's a level of vetting and going through the proper channels, whatever those are, those are the um those are the kind of safety um i know that's not the right word those are the channels that make somebody respect what you're doing now to get somebody to read a script is, a, is challenging it takes time it's a commitment to read the script yeah so, so you're not going to get somebody to read your script or <laughs> look at your reel just you know it right. has it has to come through the right people it has to earn the right yes credentials um and you have to build support so if it's a script and you have no connections to anything um maybe a good way to start is putting it in contests and putting mm -hmm. it in festivals get yeah. something that gives it a seal of approval yeah that's what we do that's what fil films do in festivals you're trying to get awards to say hey this is good. when you go to a distributor this film is worth 
while because look, we've won these many awards. So, so that's one avenue. Um, I think, um, you know, my wife is an actress and we talk about this uh, all the time. And, you know, I think for an actor, and I don't know if this answers your question, but I always feel like the job of an actor, unless you're already famous and you have the dream career that every actor, you know, that's why you get into it. You have this idea of what you think it will be. Right. But like anything, anything we get into, what we think it will be and what it actually is, comes two different things. Yeah. And I think for a, an actor who's trying to get in the industry, the only acting you're going to do that has real value is your auditions. That's the job. The yeah. job is auditioning. The right. job is not being a movie star. You know, the job of being a movie star is a whole different thing, and that takes a long time to get there, or, or maybe overnight, but that's a separate thing. It is. And, and if you're trying to get to that place, well, how do you get, you got to get work. And the only way to get work is to audition. And if you look at your auditions, that's my acting. That's where I do my, that's where, that's my battlefield. Yeah. You know? So, I, I mean, I've talked to actors and they're like, I hate auditioning. Well, then you hate acting because that's, <laughs> that's it. That's, that's what it that's is. What, that's your chance to act. Is, is I agree. Audition. So, do, you know, and I know that's really hard for actors because you go in, you don't get any feedback. You don't know why you got, who got it, who didn't. You have, there's no way to know if you're moving up. Right. Better, you know, because right. you want to do an amazing audition and it may be great, but you may not be the type right of the role or right off, right off the bat, you know? So you can't take it personal because you don't know why. You, you, know, I, you know, I mean, I have casting sessions where we see, you know, for a commercial, for example, I might see, you know, 50, 60, 100 actors, right? Yeah. And we're going to pick one, right. you know? And I'll see a lot of great actors. And I'll see actors who maybe I even love. Yeah. You know, but then maybe the client doesn't love. Or 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 does think they, or thinks they're amazing actors, but you know, that's not the type because we're reaching this and we're looking for somebody who's more this than that. So yeah. it's not even like the best actor gets the job. Good point. It's you know, there's a acting is your your skill is only one part of it. It's your look your voice your it's the whole thing yeah. and it's not like it's good or bad it's like is it right for this part so, so i mean look um um de niro he auditioned for godfather i think for the part of sonny um he didn't get it he didn't get it but they remembered him and they brought him back and then he got in godfather 2 he plays this amazing big role you know so, so so your your job is to to just win the audition do a great job of the audition whether you get the part or not, you gotta like kind of let go of that. Yeah. And I think you gotta go in with the understanding that, you know, learn to love auditioning. If you love auditioning and you look at acting as like, I love to audition, that's what the job is, that's what I do, then the, the next stage will take care of itself, right? Because eventually that. That will, that's how you're gonna get the next one. Because there are actors, and especially when I see a ton, who, who just who kill it. And there are, I have to say, there are actors I know who are so great, but they are terrible at auditioning. Oh. And then I work with them and they're really great. You know, and you're like, oh my God, like, you know. Yeah. Um, so you really have to, unfortunately, you have to, you have to get that piece. I In my opinion, you have to. No, you're right. You're right. You know? And so, uh, mm -hmm. so that's a, that's a, that's a big, big part. So I think that's really an, important. And then I think, the other thing I would say about acting is when you do have the job, right, and you are working with whatever directors, you know, not every director is going to connect with you or give you 
direction that that makes sense to you or may go totally against the grain of what you think the character is. Your job then is, or you might work with a crappy director. You know, not all directors, you know, we're all in there. You could be working on a big job and the director's like, how did this person get this job? You know, right? Um, um, could totally be, or, 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 or just doesn't connect to you or is having a bad day. But I would say then the job of an actor is to take whatever that director is giving you and make it work. Right. You make it work. You make that director look great. <laughs> it shows that you're a great actor because you have taken something that they're asking you to do is not what you want to do or maybe what you feel, but you found a way to take what they're giving to you, even if it feels so wrong and you've made it work. And maybe it stretched you as an actor because, you know, hey, you know, you are approaching this scene. I really feel like I should be emotional and crying in the scene. And the director's like, I don't want you crying at all. I want you stand there with no feeling. What? What? That's the big... <laughs> You know, all right, but then, but if you found a way to do that, maybe you've created something really special. Maybe it was a dumb remark from the director, but all of a sudden, because you're a great actor uh, or, or a, a, a solid actor, you found a way to emote that and, and do what the director was asking and at the same time do something that was still special and, and good on screen. So, yeah, so I think that's the challenge for all of us, right? You yeah. have to take whatever whether it's your client, the studio, whoever you're working with, whoever your master is, right? Yeah. Be able to take what they're giving you and somehow make that thing work. You know? Love it. So that's wow. That's Great that's answer. Really important. That sounds like it should be if, in a book. If you do that, if you do that, I think you will always work because, you know. That's what it's all about. Because all because if you can make whatever you're doing work into something great, well, everyone wants that. That's like, what they want. Know, I mean, you know, if I'm working with, um, you know, as a director, I, I have, uh, I'm not a master at every department, right? I'm looking for those departments to, to, to fill in the gaps of where my ability is, is lacking, you know? I love it. I think wardrobe's one where I, I'm, I'm, you know, like that's a, that's a weakness for me that I'm always, you know. And so when I have somebody who's really brilliant and they know the color palette and they understand why this person is wearing this and how this fits into the whole story, I'm blown away. I'm like, wow, that's making me look awesome. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. whatever you're doing, your job, whatever department you're in, you know, your job is, you know, whether you're the producer, the director, or whatever, your job is to make everybody else around you look good and yes. make the project great. In the end, it has to be something good. So, absolutely. Yeah. That's I, the most I, important thing. Yeah. I just interviewed a makeup artist and she was talking about the importance of having a makeup artist your production she said people don't really understand what they do nowadays people are saying oh come to set makeup ready we're not gonna have a makeup artist so it's they're slowly sort of going away from the makeup artists but they're valuable oh yeah no of course right I mean, yeah and a, and a makeup a makeup artist too yeah, there are there is the basic standard like, hey, we're doing an interview. We just make sure we look presentable. Oh yeah, yeah. But then there's makeup artists who are, you know, deciding what the character or wearing their hair that way for that. Yes. Person. You yeah. know, there's a there's a whole other level. Or a gunshot wound or a... yeah, of course, or or or, or prosthetics to be yes, prosthetics. Yeah. Sorts of levels of yeah. that that help create the illusion. You know, with, with, if you don't have mastery in every um, department, department, it, yeah, the film can, can it can hurt the film. Absolutely. Of course, depending on what you're doing, you might not have that need for that level. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, but but yeah, every every it's there for a reason. You know, that's what I was saying. It's there for a reason. They, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, yeah. Last question. So I gotta ask you this. So how were you able to maintain such great hair after your rock star <laughs> years? How how what what's the secret in that? Because my hair my hairline is receding. So. I think I gotta go for that. I need to. <laughs> nah. Well, what I, do you? What, is, how do you? This keep is it? laziness. You know, like um. No, but it, actually, there, it is funny. I think um, when I had my brain surgery, I, I had my head shaved. Really? And then, and then yeah, and then when, I, when because I had to make it, <clears throat> you know, like two months and six months, like there were all these benchmarks. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like with cancer, like, oh, if you make it this, then, then it's not coming back. Or, you know, you have all these benchmarks. Mm -hmm. So as my hair started getting longer, I felt like I was getting farther and farther away. Oh. Uh, yeah. So then after a while, it just kind of felt like, um, you know, or probably part of my insecurity of like that period. Like, I just want to get away from when I was in that period. Yeah. And then, and then also it's easier. It's laziness. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you got short hair, you got to like get that cut yeah, all the time. Yeah. You know, here it's like, it's just. What do, you, what do you put in it though? Do you put a special shampoo? I know my friend was telling because he has great hair. He was telling me Pantene works great. Is there a special? Do you what do you put in it? Gel? How do you? Um. Yeah. No. I put. Uh. Yeah. I put some. Some probably some gel thing in it. But mostly, <laughs> mostly, <laughs> like, it's not a big deal. I don't mostly really soap and conditioner, and I'm very. I'm pretty lazy with that kind of stuff. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely not high fashion, you know. <laughs> Clearly, right now. <laughs> no, but I just think it's great because I don't know. I I never could grow my hair. I always had that problem. Some people just blessed with that. Some people say it's genetic. So that's why I was just curious. Yeah, I, I when I was a kid, um, being in music, you know, hair was like such a big deal. Oh yeah, it like means something, you know. Yeah, it's just. And, and when I was a kid, like um, I went to Catholic school, and and you know, they're always trying to get us cut our hair because it's you know. I grew up in the 70s and it still meant like, you know, you were an outlaw, you were outside. <laughs> That's a rebel. You know, you know, so everyone's always trying to get you to cut your hair, you know, and yeah. you're going to cut your hair and this. And you're a rebel. So I think I still have, I think it was like embedded in how my brain is wired that it's still like somehow, uh, you know, I, I, I always, uh, I, and I used to love the, you know, what, the Samson story when I was a kid too. Oh, know? yeah. Like yeah, the hair is at strength. The kind of hair is useless. Right. So right. Now, I'm, now I'm just I'm uh, 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 um, superstitious. Cut my hair. I'm gonna. <laughs> you lose your superpowers. Yeah. I love well, it. Well, yeah, I don't know about superpowers. Just uh, yeah, 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 my, yeah. my uh, mediocre powers. <laughs> mediocre. No, I love that. I love that. Wow. All right. Well, listen, Phil. Thank you so much for being on the show i really appreciate your time this was very insightful i learned a lot just from listening to you i really appreciate this uh thanks so much it was so much fun uh talking hopefully we can hang out in person one of these oh days. yeah i know hopefully <laughs> we'll see we'll see Let, let's pray for that i'm All always right. up for meeting up with people and connecting with great people like yourself so and good luck to you, and uh, I keep following your career, and always see you're always working, and you're always uh, doing amazing thanks. stuff. So thanks, um, buddy. I appreciate that. I'm a huge fan of your going. work too. So keep up the great work, and stay safe out there. Yeah, you too. Hopefully, we get to work on something soon. Yeah, absolutely. You never know, right? You never know. <laughs> <laughs>
Take care, All right, buddy. All right. Hey. Hey. Didn't think you'd still be up. Sorry to disappoint you. I didn't mean it like that. Then what did you mean? Look, I don't want to fight. It's late. Where were you? Working. Working. It's three in the morning. Can't you at least come up with something better than that? Does it really matter what I say? You're not going to believe me anyway. Because you're a liar? I'm a liar. What did I lie about exactly? Everything. This whole marriage is a lie. Well, finally. Something you and I agree on. Who is she then? I have a right to know. Oh my god, you're crazy. There is no one else. Right. And you expect me to believe that? You believe whatever you want. I don't care anymore. You're never here and you don't even have the decency to tell me where you go. You want to know where I go? Anywhere. Anywhere but here. This is all my fault. I'm so horrible and you're so perfect. And if you're so perfect, then why is it that every other woman that you've been with has walked out on you? No, I am not perfect, but yeah, you are horrible. You live in your own little bubble. And God forbid if anything contradicts all the crazy shit that goes on in your head. I have needs too, you know. I actually need someone who's interested in me for a change. Interested? What's there to be interested in? You never have anything to say ever. You don't talk to me. You haven't even touched me in months. I cannot talk about this anymore. You know, what sort of man are you anyway, huh? What sort of man doesn't want to have sex, huh? You know, I shouldn't even be worried about you cheating on me. You probably can't get up anyway. Do you want to know? Do you really want to know why I don't touch you? Because you're a fucking whore. How dare you talk to me no, like that? No, you think I'm How stupid. How dare you talk to me you like that? You think I didn't know? Brad is what I'm Brad, talking Brad, about. That's ridiculous. No, no, I read that's your emails. Ridiculous. I know all about it. You read my emails? You went through my things. Do not try to turn this on me. How am I supposed to trust you when you're going through my stuff? Trust me. You fucking cheated on me. It's not what you think. And then what is it? It's. Look, it's not what you think. What is it? It's not what you think! What is it? What do you expect anyway? You were never here! It's just a friend. He was there for me. It was nothing. Nothing happened. How many other friends have you fucked? Oh, I fucked them all. Is that what you want to hear, huh? Does that make you happy? Happy? Do I look happy to you, huh? You ruined my life. I'm sorry, but you shut me out. Do you have any idea how you make me feel about myself? You act like I don't exist. And if you do acknowledge me, it's only to tell me I've done something wrong or how horrible I am. What about my life? Don't I at least deserve to be happy? I'm sorry. I didn't know you hated me this much. I don't hate you. I love you, you stupid bastard. I love you too. What do you think? No, it's good. We should do it again. Though. Why? I think it's good. No, I like the scene. I just think it was a little bit contrived by you in the second half. By me? Yeah. You want to throw yourself trying to remember your life. No, 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 no. Those were dramatic pauses. <laughs> Right, maybe for a soap opera. No, you don't have to be a jerk and insult me. Yeah. 
dick and take everything so personal. Well, maybe you should take some of that premenstrual anger that you're obviously experiencing and go stick it into your act. Maybe you should just try acting, oh, huh? Fuck you, all right? No, fuck you. Fuck you first. Fuck you. You're fuck so me. out of order. I am out of order. And there you have it. Thank you for watching Out on the Front Lines, brought to you by the MJO Network on Roku TV. Thank you to all the supporters. Again, we're looking for sponsors. Stay safe, stay productive, stay creative. Out on the Front Lines. My name is Les. Signing out. And I am a bus driver. So I think driving a bus is just something that is very fulfilling. People are depending on me. When they get to their destination and they come up to me and they thank me for getting them to their job safely, it makes me feel good. I, I feel like I'm doing something positive in the community. Driving the bus around, you see so many different things and you hear so many different stories and it just really inspires me. I actually created a screenplay where I talk about my life experiences as a bus driver. So I think no matter what your job is, you need to find that sense of purpose. You need to find out why you're getting up every day to do what you do. And I do it because I love helping people at the end of the day.